0: That's something that, you know, we all get our different stories of what mm-hmm. we go, go through. I don't think someone's is better or worse. It's just my own story. Right. And that's where I love hearing the d- different walks of life people come from because people are so quick to go, well, that wasn't my story or I didn't go through that. I go, our stories we're meant to learn from. You can't change the story. You can't no. change the past. You don't get to choose where you were born. What you get to choose is what you, are, you do with said information.
1: Right. And the power of sharing stories yes. is that the lessons that we can learn, both good and bad, we can look at objectively
0: exactly. and hopefully
1: not repeat the same mistakes. Exactly. That's the whole purpose of connection, community. Yep. You know? Yep. And what I remember that really stood out to me as we started having more conversations is like your ability to just be so present. Because even though we've talked, I'm not going to share everything because whatever you want to share, share we'll whatever share. you want.
0: I, I'm uh, everyone that knows me knows I have. No filter
1: of what I'll talk about. Okay. Hi, guys. It's your girl, Nahama, your favorite Jew from the Lou. Welcome back to my podcast. And one thing that I wanted to start a new tradition is I want to start each podcast telling you my mission. So my mission for this podcast is to create connection. And so each and every episode, we're going to have a new guest. And whether we share their personal stories or their passions, the idea is is that we live in a time when more than ever people feel alone. And hopefully through these stories and these passions, you could find some relatability and feel a little less alone. So with that being said, I'm really excited today to share with you our special guest, Connor Silverstein. Welcome. Welcome.
0: Hello. I was gonna say <laughs> shalom, and then I was like, "Oh, got shy." Got a little shy there. That's I don't okay. get shy, but I got sh- shalom.
1: It was a big introduction, so if
0: you're
1: <laughs> forgiven, I like to start off each episode and talk about like how I know my guests, mm-hmm. because the best part is, is like all my guests are people who are like in my life. So how you and I met. Well, actually, before we met, you were a regular at Omen, and mm-hmm. so was I. And I remember we did the yoga classes, and you had this yeah. like Hebrew tattoo going down your back. Yep, I'm Jewish. I know Hebrew, and I'm like, my Judar is on. I was like, is this a brother? The eye of the
0: Jew <laughs> came out, and she saw me.
1: And then, like afterwards, <laughs> we went to get coffee, and I was like, because everyone to the yoga class would go downstairs and grab some Omen coffee, and I was like, went over to you and. I think you were, like, very distracted that day, and you were just very abrupt, and you were like, nope, not Jewish. Oh, did I? Yeah, you really were. (laughs) I think I was
0: talking, I was like, you know, religion versus ethnicity. Yeah, you're like,
1: nope, my dad was, and then I think you saw someone else got distracted and then just walked away. (laughs) That was my first, like, interaction with you, and I was like, okay, all right. Bye.
0: This guy. <laughs> this guy.
1: But what happened was, I, this was like before I even started recording, I was talking to Lau and I was so nervous. And you were just hanging out there too. And I was yeah. telling her about how, like, I was doing my first podcast episode and she w- is starting her own podcast as well. And so she was just so encouraging, like she is with everybody. And then you piped up and you also were like super motivational. And you were saying you. how, like, you also like, talk all the time about your life and how you have like a very interesting past. And at the time I was thinking, I bet he would be a great guest, but I got too shy to like ask you in the moment. So And here we are now. And here we are. It all comes together. It happens exactly when it needs to happen.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: So anyways, I have to say like the first thing that intrigued me about your story, and this just shows how like you can make up stories about the little small segments of what you hear. About other people, you're like, I have two dads. I was like, oh, his his dads are gay. I
0: always, I always like think that when I'm like, yeah, both my dads. I'm like, my mom's still here. You
1: said that too. And I was so confused. But then I also found out like that you were a financial advisor and then you referred to your dads as like your rich dad, poor dad. Mm -hmm. And so what I would love to do is to go back into your childhood and just tell us your story.
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, and I think the reason why you know people can always go well, what, you know, what part of my life should I keep secret? What part should I share? Mm-hmm. And you know, there's that that fine balance of vulnerability and what information people need to know or not. And I've always looked at least my story, and everyone has their own different taste of what that balance is. But I always think to myself, if you have the opportunity to impact someone's life with your story. And our stories can create some of the most real anecdotes of knowledge and experience to impact us, right? Like you can read a text, right? But then you immediately question, was this based off of real evidence or just someone's opinion, right? When we hear real events happen in the past, it inspires us of where to go next. So to go back to my own story, I was just thought, why has so much happened in the last 30 years of my life? And as... It, I got into finance, which a lot of it was inspired because of my dad and my stepfather as well, who was in my life since I was born. Um, I share about them because one of the most popular business books that inspires people to think and grow rich is "Rich Dad Poor Dad." Mm-hmm. And even before I read that book, I remember reading uh, hearing about the book, and I'm like, "Oh, sounds like my family," <laughs> you know, but not from my friend's dad and my dad my own two personal you know, experience personal experiences of having a father and going through that as a kid was very challenging and the very thing i tell a lot of parents today who have kids that maybe they're struggling in different ways whether it's fitting in or maybe they're add adhd and it's you know they're struggling to pay attention to the classroom or just find their place or maybe there's something disruptive going on in the household and you're curious how it's going to impact your child regardless, right? Through the good and the bad that a child experiences, they need to endure those hills and valleys to develop character and learn lessons in life. But one other big piece that we also have to realize is a lot of these young kids have not developed the mental skill yet to be able to articulate all these very powerful thoughts in their head, which mm-hmm. is sometimes why we have to pay attention a little deeper Because I realized I had a lot of complex thoughts as a child, and I got so frustrated at the world and my parents, Mm -hmm. but then eventually I realized I just don't know how to articulate what's up in here yet, Yeah, which really leaned back into why I have such a passion for how we communicate. Because a lot of the time we know what we need to say, we just don't know how to say it, right? And so, yeah, I had these my long answer of saying, I had these two fathers, rich dad, poor dad, and it kind of inspired the rest of my journey from
1: there. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that mean? You had a rich dad and a poor dad.
0: So, you know, when my uh, stepdad came into my life, I was pretty much still in diapers, you know, baby at that time. Uh, My parents just separated. My mom meets my stepdad. They quickly fall in love, get married. The rest was history. And he was a very successful, powerful man. business owner that eventually went global, um, and built quite an impressive, uh, um, business called EFC international. He was a pioneer in the fastener space. So anything that fastens something together, nuts, bolts, clamps, the whole nine yards. And you get these people who in your life, Oh my, you know, my friend so-and-so is a business owner and they might have a local mom and pop shop, or, you know, we have an office, a few offices in St. Louis. I mean, he had offices all over North America, wow. Europe, globally. And he developed that over the course of my life. So not saying there's um a what's the right words? Not saying that depending on the type of parents there's a level of what's what's better or not to have in your life. You just get different mm-hmm. lessons, right? For sure. And so growing up with a father that had no limit to what was possible mentally, right? It wasn't just go get a job, it was I'm building an empire that was so normalized in my brain as a child. The dinner table conversations were how we're expanding to Europe, right? Yeah. And my mother was also a very brilliant-minded businesswoman as well. And so to lean now back to my real father, right. outside of the personal things that I had to go through because of him and the challenges that came with that. Um, from a business standpoint, I would say he was a little bit more upper middle class, did well, was a, a headhunter, recruiter, mm-hmm. and didn't make the best financial decisions. Had mm-hmm. someone in financial advising who taught him how to grow the money, but not distribute the money, which mm-hmm. eventually we need to do, right? We're growing it to one day use it. Eventually lost everything, ended up poor, homeless, Whoa. you know, and-
1: How old was he when that happened?
0: I would say 70s.
1: Oh, that's really early hard.
0: Early 70s. And so you got to think, when you're in your early 70s and you now you lost everything and you're struggling with your health among many other things, mm-hmm. I empathize despite some of the challenges he created for himself. I still empathize, imagine, working your entire life.
2: Mm-hmm
0: not being equipped with the right knowledge, regardless of what you could have done to prevent it or not, Mm -hmm. to now be in a situation where you lost everything you worked for. And who wants to hire the depressed, early 70-year-old man who's now homeless?
1: Well, more than that, I would say, even in the best of situations, if he had a great attitude, if he was, you know, whip smart, ready to work, Mm -hmm. there is ageism, Yep, within yep, exactly the industry. Yep. People want to hire
0: someone young and youthful, not yeah. in their early 70s. You there's you know. two
1: things. Either they think that, you know, you're too old, you're too out of it, you should yep. have retired five years ago. What are you doing? Or there's the opposite where you're almost too experienced and a lot of the younger managers, directors feel threatened that you're trying to get their role.
0: Absolutely. You
1: know, a lot absolutely. of ego.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that's yeah. that's something that, you know. We all get our different stories of what mm-hmm. we go, go through. I don't think someone's is better or worse. It's just my own story. Right. And that's where I love hearing the d- different walks of life people come from because people are so quick to go, well, that wasn't my story or I didn't go through that. I go, our stories we're meant to learn from. You can't change the story. You can't no. change the past. You don't get to choose where you were born. What you get to choose is what you, are, you do with said information.
1: Right. And the power of sharing stories is that the lessons that we can learn, both good and bad, we can look at objectively and hopefully not repeat the same mistakes. Exactly. That's the whole purpose of connection, community. Yep. You know? And what I remember that really stood out to me as we started having more conversations is like your ability to just be so present. Because even though we've talked, I'm not going to share everything because whatever you want to share, share whatever you want.
0: I'm uh, everyone that knows me knows I have. No culture of what I'll talk about. Okay.
1: But like we've talked about how there was like some trauma involved yes. in your life. Mm-hmm. And so like even go- without going into detail, just – being split between two families is very traumatic.
2: Yes, yeah.
1: And also between two faiths can be very confusing. Oh, yeah. And so the fact that you're so not into having a victim mentality of this was my past, this is so hard. And a lot well, of I did
0: people, for a while. Did you? Yes. Yep. Well, I'll tell
1: you one thing that I've come to this conclusion recently is that you can have excuses or reasons why you are the way you yep. are. And a lot of people will be like, yeah, that makes sense. But they don't give a shit in the yep. end of the day, you're the only one responsible yep. for making your future. And so who you are now, because I didn't know the Connor who was like yep. a victim mentality, but the, who you are now where you're so present and future focused, I think is so admirable.
0: Thank you very much. You're welcome. And going off of that, I I think a lot of my passion life is to really, you know, when people go, I love psychology and philosophy. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people say that, Because it feels good to think about and dive through these things. But I'm more so fascinated about psychology and philosophy from how we can apply it to improve our experiences with other people more Mm -hmm. so uh, and to also empathize with them. I think because of the level of pain I felt as a kid that I thought, you know, uh, the best thing about being at the bottom, you know, for anyone who's struggling to feel like you're at rock bottom and I give up and I quit and life's exhausting and it sucks
2: mm-hmm.
0: is the only way is up and you have nothing to lose. Right. The best thing about feeling inadequate is that then there's no pressure anymore. Well, I'm, I'm already a failure apparently, but you can now start shifting inch by inch these negative Topics that you put in your own head, Mm -hmm. and any improvement now is a dramatic shift from where you started. And I felt like I was at rock bottom, and so I thought to myself, "Well, and even though this wasn't fair to say to myself as a kid, well, what do I have to lose? Then I'm already at the bottom. I'm not the cool kid, the popular, the smartest, the most athletic. I'm none of these things. So I'm here. Okay." Well, I can either just keep sitting here or do something. Yeah. And any little shift forward now is upward. There's no backwards if, you're at, if you truly believe you're at the bottom. That's a blessing in itself, mm-hmm. especially at a young age. And I think so many people put this pressure at different stages of life. I can't be here. I go, well, we're not inspired from the person who's always kicked ass at life.
2: Yeah. We're
0: inspired by the people who struggled for so long. And all of a sudden, one change happened in their life that inspired them to change their whole identity and belief system of who they are capable of being. And then they go out there and accomplish that. And you look at that person, you go, well, holy shit, if they can do it, what can I do? Yeah. No one ever says that about the person whose life was always a success. Right. And so I think there's a beauty in struggling and enduring for so long because- you never know how you might be being used to be a miracle, even if you're not given that miracle.
1: Well, I've said this before on my podcast, and this is my favorite thing, like ever to say. But the day that you were born is the day that God decided and the world felt they could no longer exist without you.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: And that's from Judaism. And so, and the idea is, is, is that every birthday that you have, it's such a celebration because if you are still here, that means you still matter, Mm -hmm. you still have a mission, you still have a purpose, Mm -hmm. and you can celebrate what you've done so far. And like even if maybe you don't know what that purpose is, the mere fact that you're here, you're existing, you're living, find it, you know? Exactly. Because – so I've been really into recently. I'm, I'm at that point where I also reach rock bottom with like my health and like my fitness journey and so you're right when you do it sometimes you're in a bad place but you're not quite rock bottom when you hit rock bottom that's when you get like i don't know i can't explain it until you like been there but it's just it's like you're almost sick of yourself kind of a thing yeah and it's like there's so much shame in how you allowed yourself to get to be in a certain place and sometimes almost like the denial of how did it even happen like how did i even like miss this mm. and then you go through and it's like okay but all i have is today so what are the daily things that i can do and so one of the small changes that i've made for me with my health journey is i drink black coffee now so part of that has totally changed cuz i'll wake up a little earlier and instead of rushing to the gym with black coffee you can't just chug it down it's a little bitter it's really hot like i
0: wish i <laughs> <laughs> it, depends yeah. on who's, it depends on who's <laughs> drinking that black coffee. Oh,
1: I was really just... in a rush. But for me, I wake up earlier enough that I can just sit down and I go on YouTube yeah. and I turn on this meditation like 10 minutes every day. It's a different one and guided meditation. And it's just this time for me. And then it started transitioning because you take one step and then all these other things just open up before you, right? And so then I started listening to like positive affirmations and motivational speeches. And then I got connected to like this concept of like the Tao Te Ching. Did I say that right?
0: Okay. Have yeah. you heard of this? I'm familiar. Dao
1: Te Ching. Okay. If I mispronounce it, I'm so sorry. I'm new. Um, I'm just here. <laughs> Basically, there was this concept that there was this Chinese either prophet or philosopher, um, and he lived in a time very similar to ours where there was so much war and there was so much like just negativity and just terrible things going on and people treating each other horribly and he was just sick of it and he just wanted peace so this little man just like put all of his belongings into a wagon and like went off into the hill but before he left he wrote this book called the Tao Te Ching and basically there's like 81 verses and it's supposed to bring like inner peace Um. and so I say that because You have to have a certain level of acceptance of where you are in order to change, Mm -hmm. in order to feel peace. But also knowing that it's like a person when when they don't feel good in their body, they could say, "I'm fat," but that's creating an identity, and then it's hard to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Instead, you could say, "I have fat, but I am a person who is taking actions every single day to be fit." Mm
0: -hmm. This and, and what you're pointing out there. And what you were mentioning earlier, when you were sort of make shifts, is how you're creating that framework in your environment. Mm-hmm. I made a post on my Instagram recently that was talking about well, first of all, what do you believe in value? Right? Mm-hmm. what are the principles that are important to you? What are your core beliefs, values, right? And then what is how is that? What's the framework of that? Like, when someone goes, "I want to be healthy," I go. Okay, healthy how? Like mm-hmm. in, in your negative self talk. Are we talking physically? Or are we talking emotionally? You know, in balance in life, right? And then it's that third step is okay. Well, you got your, you know, your values. You know what health is in your life, but where are we actually implementing that on a routine basis? Right. And those three factors, I think, so often can get swept under the rug because we're, once again, we're in such a rush. Instead of creating the environment to live mm-hmm. a life that is ultimately fulfilling for us, where we can have better self love. For sure. Right. And it comes right, like you said, that, that, that introspection to go, okay, how am I treating myself? I remember reading, forget which book it is, um, in my terrible ability to recall anything in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it talked about you're not willing to let someone abuse you any greater than you're willing to abuse yourself. Oh, yeah. And I remember reading that and reflecting on anything I've gone through or people that I love in my life. And I thought how often we're creating a standard of, if we're allowing this in our life, well, how much do you really love yourself? And this goes back to, there's one, you can say it, but do you actually believe it? Do you actually believe what we tell ourselves, right? and do you feel you deserve it? And I think when we're going through these periods of inadequacy, which was most of my childhood, mm-hmm. um, you have to eventually stop yourself from – because it, eventually it's not even like I, – I think this is just habit to default to that type of thinking, right? And we have to break that pattern because the cool thing about life is that you can wake up and change Everything tomorrow, mm-hmm. and I think so often people go, "I'm not that," and then my reaction back to them is, "Well, why not?" This is honestly one of my core I beliefs for myself and my identity of the very reason why I do most of the things I do is because I really truly believed at the beginning of a lot of this that. I'm just some random dude who's kind of good enough at some things, but didn't feel really great at anything. Mm. And so I thought, well, I wonder how many other people feel this way. So if I go all in and discover what is possible, if I just get intentional with life and just go for it, regardless of how much my brain goes, "Uh, you're never going to pull this off. But what if you do? What if you just pull off for once in your life, that one thing that you never thought you could do. And not only do you surprise yourself, but you inspire the people around you because you took charge, you took the leap. And then hopefully along the way, everyone else starts taking a little bit more of a leap in life. Right. And I think that's what can build really amazing communities is having hope and faith that it can be done Mm -hmm. and that any day you can wake up and completely change it all. And it doesn't have to be tomorrow. It could be, hey, you know what, I'm having a bad day. Let's stop right now, take a break, breathe, reflect on what's Creating that blockage in your life. Mm-hmm. And two hours from now, the rest of your day, we're going to align ourselves with the type of day we want to have. Right. But that's a choice. No one's going to choose that for you.
1: You know, this reminds me of a line from one of my favorite poems where it talks about that when you allow your light to shine, you unconsciously allow the light of others to shine as mm-hmm. well. Which is so profound, but I think it also starts with, I think it's very easy to look at the world and see what's wrong with it and what needs improvement.
0: Absolutely. It's
1: very easy to feel that you're too small to make the changes that you wish you could make. Mm -hmm. But what you can always do is clean up your own backyard. Yep you know? And then if you can slowly influence those around you, that's how you make a bigger impact. Mm -hmm. And it is so hard to even just change yourself, even just changing your coffee habits, going from like my grandfather used to say, oh, you want some coffee with your sugar Mm -hmm. to like me going to do black coffee. That's a huge change, you know? And that's just a small daily example. But it's like for me, now that I'm like, I wasn't planning on sharing my little health things, but I think it's really cute, so I'm going to share it. I love
2: that.
1: I call it my fabulous five. Okay. And I read Atomic Habits, and my biggest takeaway from that book is that I printed out – I made my own little calendar, and so visually, I could see every single day, if I do all my five fabulous habits, I make an X. And the goal is to try to fill the whole calendar up with as many Xs as possible, right, to get every single day. I'm human. It's okay to miss a day. But if I miss two days, it's a bad habit, which is such a good way to look at it. So Mm -hmm. if you have a day, don't be mad. You'll start again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Just you can't miss two days in a row. And the goal is to have as little blank little boxes throughout the month as possible. And then I just take a month by month and I'm not worried about February, just January, just today, you know? That's awesome. So my five tasks. Uh, First is my nutrition. I'm avoiding gluten, dairy, and sugar. Okay. And then for my workouts, I'm trying to do my workout in the gym in the morning before work because it's totally changed the trajectory of my day. And then I'm also adding on to that. I try to get – with goal setting, I heard this. I thought it was so brilliant. And I think if anyone's trying to set goals, they should try to implement this where you have like your minimum base goal and then your maximum. So the idea is I try to hit 7,000 steps. Okay. But my max goal is ten thousand. But if it was only seven thousand, if that was my max goal, the minute I hit seven thousand, I'd stop for the day. But because I'm trying to hit ten thousand, I have that the, wiggle room.
0: You didn't you not fail as long as you got your seven thousand. Mm-hmm. But you have an opportunity to reward yourself if you can reach this. Steps yes. are such a great way to get just improve overall health. People mm-hmm. aren't moving enough. You know what what is the uh, the saying? Uh, Motion is lotion. And our body is so much. There's so much water in our body, and if we're not getting that fluid movement,
2: mm-hmm. it's.
0: I see some people being so stagnant. It helps to be ADHD because you're constantly bopping around. I'm, I'm ADD, like, so I'm always, always like running that, around, you know. Yeah. I'm always moving, <laughs> you know. And I look at some people who are feeling like tight and stiff and all that. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, how much do you move? If you sit like this forever, you're gonna feel stiff. Yeah. Your body starts molding into the way you position yourself. It's like when right. people don't have good posture, right? It's. But it goes back to. You're creating the environment, you're creating that awareness,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you're also giving yourself grace through the process too, which
1: well, is huge. I'll also say that like, you know, I wish this was my full-time job, just talking to people. That'd be great. Right. Um, no, I'm i am a graphic designer, a senior graphic designer, and so I sit on behind a desk and a computer all day, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I really hesitated to call myself someone who moved a lot because, yeah, maybe I'd work out for an hour or two in the morning. Then the rest of the day, sitting, come home from work, sitting, walk around a little bit here and there, but there wasn't that much motion. Yep. So adding the steps in really changed my whole day, to be honest. And then the other one is I I was getting terrible sleep. I was getting like maybe four to five hours of sleep every night. So now I try to get six hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. And oh my goodness, did I forget my fifth one? (laughs)
0: <laughs> it might come back.
1: It might come back to me well, later. Well, you think
0: about it too. We live in a world where we're just doing the fundamentals, we're forgetting, right? You know the fundamentals. Oh, water, water. Sleeping, it's a gallon of water. That's yeah. my
1: my my fifth one. Was a gallon of water. Yep. But the truth is, it's nothing fancy. Um, and I think we all know what we need to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's going to be different for everyone. Avoiding like gluten or dairy, if it doesn't affect you, may not make a difference. But for me, I know that it does. Yep. So. Yeah. I'm super proud. I lost like seven pounds
0: That's amazing. like three weeks. That's awesome. So
1: I'm proud. How do,
0: how do you feel like through this journey so far? So
1: I'll tell you, the first week I did my weigh-in and my weight went up, my muscle mass went down, and my fat went up. And I was so pissed. I'm like, I didn't cheat. I did everything. Like, why is it not working? Um, so I didn't see those things improve until the second weigh-in. Mm whatever. But I just wanted to see results, you know. It's yeah. so hard not to be result driven. But in terms of my energy, I felt like myself again. My brain fog went down. My clothes were were fitting better. My rings started getting looser on me, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Um and then also the steps, I'll just share like a little bit. My dad was in the hospital over the holidays. And so a lot of the rooms in the hospital are very small mm-hmm. and I would um, get my mom the chair. And in the past, even just standing would be like, I would get fatigued, especially being in the hospital for like hours yeah. because I was doing my steps, so I was just like walking back and forth. It was great. Yep. You know? Yep. And it's I,
0: inspiring.
1: And I think it really changed the thing too. And it's like, I made this shift when my dad was in the hospital, a time when most people would be like, oh my gosh, are you taking care of you? Make sure you're maybe sleeping more if you want your comfort foods, you know, like that's what you tell people yep. when they're going through struggles, but I made sure to stick to going to the gym in the morning, despite the fact that my dad was in like the hospital. Yep. I made sure to hit my steps. I made sure to get my water. You know, I made my mom take the steps when we went to the hospital, like yep. little small things like that, that like anyone in the world would have given me an excuse to not do my goals. But I'm the only one who hold myself accountable and it made the experience so much easier Yeah, because I was taking care of myself. Yep. I was controlling an uncontrollable situation.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And one thing I'll say is when I look back, even where I used to be in life mm-hmm. and the identity I had for myself, I truly believe one of the greatest shifts to allowing me to get where I am today was starting with my health in my body mm-hmm. and building that self-confidence and what I woke up in every day in your, and how I uh, trained. you
1: belt in jiu-jitsu now.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's so funny too, what got me into jiu-jitsu because that was a whole different thing I didn't realize I wanted to work through from what bodybuilding taught me. But despite everything I've experienced in friendships, business, everything else in life, Th- th- knowing that I showed up to train and work, mm-hmm. no one could take that away from me. Yeah. That was that, my one hour or two or whatever it is where I put in the work. Mm-hmm. And it built that confidence because I knew I showed up for myself today. Yes. You know, so I could have had a bad business deal go through or – Maybe something finicky with a friendship or a relationship, whatever it might be throughout life. Cause that's gonna Go that's gonna happen. Right. But the one thing you can consistently do to get a win of the day is show up for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there there is something, um, because sometimes change is happening, but if we can't see it, we're like, is it really happening right? And the thing at least with the body is, you know, when I was younger, I was just like I mean, I remember going to the doctor and they're like, he needs to get on like protein shakes because he looks a little underweight, like malnourished. (laughs) Like I was, you know, my skin and bones, like I, it was kind of scary. People haven't seen that side of me when I was younger and it didn't bother me, but I wasn't waking up in the morning, looking at myself like, man, I'm feeling confident and strong and proud of myself. Mm -hmm. I was just a sack of bones, you know, and not that. I should have felt inadequate, but building that confidence to take on the world. And so you, you start with your health and wellness, but it starts trickling in other aspects of life because once again, you go back to, well, look at this profound change in life here. What other parts of my life?
1: It's the Confidence.
0: Profound change. And the energy. yep,
1: And the discipline. Yep. That totally changes your relationship with yourself. Yep. How you show up in the world and your relationships with those around you. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And I think what's so interesting about your story, because there's two elements of it. I mean, you grew up as like a rich kid Mm -hmm. and you grew up underweight. And both of those things that are not typically categories that people feel very sympathetic about. Yeah. You know, because if you yeah. grow up in like a rich family but you have struggles, people are like, ah oh. but you have money.
2: Yep. Yep.
1: And then if you grow up underweight, they're like, Oh, you can't gain weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That must be hard. Yeah. I wish I had that problem. You want my 10 pounds? Like yep. I'm sure you must have heard that. Yep. Like a lot. Yep. It's just so crazy to me how like there's just so many different perspectives on how we work on ourselves and we grow. Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud of you.
0: Thank you. I'm proud of you too. I Thanks. love hearing These amazing changes in your life. And Mm -hmm. I love something that you pointed out there because that was something that also created, added to my depression as a kid Mm
2: -hmm. was
0: I thought, oh, no one cares about the rich kid who's struggling. Like, what if he didn't make it tomorrow? Oh, just another rich kid who didn't make it. Like, those were the things I tell myself. So I thought, Mm -hmm. even more, well, who's going to care if I do succeed because they're going to associate it with where I came from. Yeah. And I finally got to a point where, well, where I come from is not always who I am, who I am is what I do today. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be defined on where I come from. I want to be defined on what I do. Yes. So I want to do something that inspires people at least to do have hope. And also through that journey, I also wanted to expose the people who came from the other side. If you're not happy already, you're, not, you're probably not going to find on the other side because I'm on the other side of some of these things and there's still problems. Right. I go, you know, the, we always say the grass isn't always green on the other side, yet we walk as if it is.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, this book that I'm reading right now, it's called Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: believe. <laughs> and it talks about how like if you don't get your thoughts and your self-happiness like together now in the small moments – when you get those big things later in life, you're mm-hmm. not going, they're not going to hit you the same way yeah. as if you already have that inner peace. Now, inner peace doesn't mean you can't try to have the best body and be the most successful financially and like all these things. It's just more about not feeling that these things are going to fulfill you, right?
2: Absolutely.
1: Um, another part of your story that I have been itching to talk about is the fact that not one, but both of your dads actually ended up getting dementia. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I relate to so deeply because my dad got diagnosed with dementia almost four years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's you talk about being a kid and having a hard time like articulating your feelings. Even in your 20s, I I still feel like you're a kid. And I was 23 when my dad was diagnosed and I remember being so angry and not knowing how to express it. And then at the same time, also like- That was the same time in my life when I was trying to figure out if I even wanted to be religious anymore and what did I want out of life. Yep. And you're just kind of in limbo because your 20s are your adult adolescent years and you still don't know who you are. And I remember with my dad, um, I didn't know how to articulate the feelings, but there's this podcast that I love. I'm sure you all have heard of it, The School of Greatness with Lewis Howes. And he, his dad had a brain injury from an accident. Wasn't exactly dementia, but a similar concept. And he actually lived with that brain injury for another 20 years before he passed on.
2: Mm.
1: And he articulated what I was feeling in one beautiful sentence. And you could tell me if you relate to this. He said, My dad, when my dad went through his injury, I had to mourn the man that he was while learning to love the man he had become. Mm. Because you lost your father. Yep. Fathers. I lost my father at 23.
0: Yep. But yet – the same person. But
1: yet he's still alive. Yep. So how do you mourn someone who's not there, still there? That was such a hard thing to be able to like express. Mm -hmm. And so I'd love to hear your perspective on when it initially happened, how you dealt with it, Mm -hmm. and just your thoughts.
0: So I have a better um, memory of going through with my stepfather than my dad. I spent more time with my stepfather uh happened more recently in my life than my father as well. Uh, I was around a lot more of that because my my dad passed right out of college, my stepdad in 2020, and my stepdad had a, I would say, much greater shift because he went from this powerful business owner in charge of all these people, employees, and now he's starting to have memory loss, and he had a little bit more of the aggressive type of dementia mm-hmm that was associated with the anger and the um, just a little bit more violent uh, yeah. in the sense of that losing control and not being able to cope with this shift. Um, and he also hated tattoos. And I remember when I got my whole arm done, he's like, oh, that's really cool. And I was like, wow, a man who hates tattoos, dementia, Doug, loves tattoos, mm-hmm. Doug before dementia. Hated tattoos, wow. and I was just like, "And, and you?" I remember my, my last Thanksgiving with him before he passed. Sitting there, and he just had a look on his face of joy in a way, um, because you, you could tell he was kind of clueless of actually what was going on. And he was mm-hmm. just so present in a way because his brain wasn't able to process all of the other demanding things and the pressures of life he had put on himself. So there's almost weird beauty seeing some sides come alive, and yeah, also some sadness of this isn't the iron force that I grew up with. This mm-hmm. isn't the pioneer anymore. This is a softer, in some ways, depending on the time that you caught him, but also gentle in the sense of he's older he's a bit more frail going through this now um, and vulnerable. It, vulnerable is a mm-hmm. great word and it really exposed me to to take it back even for a second this goes back into my philosophies and feelings around death actually because i ended up losing my dad and my stepdad um, but our time with people is not guaranteed even if they're still alive. Mm. Um, And we act like we should have them forever. Also in that same moment, forgetting that people won't have us forever. Mm. And so as demanding as we can be of others, it also taught me how well am I being present now with the people in my life before I'm no longer able to. Going back to a podcast I was listening to as I was prepping for a jiu-jitsu tournament and the pressures that you can feel with competing, competition, anxiety, and all of that, Josh McKinney, a uh, brilliant man, black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, also runs an awesome gym out here in the Midwest. Uh, he said, you know, when you're out there competing, you have to remember that Be grateful you get to even feel this because one day you'll no longer get to be able to perform this way, do these things. One of these, and I just I never thought like one day I won't be able to do jujitsu. Yeah. Like one day I won't be able to do my work in finance. One day I won't be able to do XYZ because time has ticked and age has crept on me. And so if anything, I've learned more from those moments. And that's why I'm grateful that I went through things that I don't wish upon anyone. Mm-hmm. But if it's going to impact your life regardless of whether you want it to or not, then what's the beauty we can cultivate out of it? And instead of this, oh, like, well, just be positive from it. No, it sucks. Yeah. But even though it sucks, what is it teaching you? And, and the best thing it taught me was that, that to be me one day. And so what can I do now in all aspects of life to be as aware of what's happening to me, but also others Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and the presence with our time before I can no longer articulate those things? We go from being able to articulate those things or not being able to articulate those things to being able to articulate those things back to not being able to articulate those things. Mm -hmm. We are born into this world, not being independent, needing help to leaving this world, yeah. not being independent and needing help. And we only have a certain time frame of true independence in a way where we are, for the most part, self-reliant.
1: Mm-hmm. I would, I would say that I think we're lucky, as weird as that would sound, that we both got to experience our dads yeah. going through that at such a young age. Because most people who I've talked to who do experience that are in their 40s, you know, their dads are...
0: Not our age.
1: Right. Yeah. And so I think part of my anger initially when I first experienced it was that, like, why me? Like, I'm I'm still a baby. I'm not ready to grow up yet. I'm not ready to see, like, the tables turning. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, it is very humbling to see that, like, our time and our, our existence is very limited, mm-hmm. you know? And it's it's really... I don't think it's talked about enough, like we experience at a young age, but everyone, everyone will experience it at some point. Mm -hmm. It is so painful to watch the strongest people in your life turn into the most like vulnerable, needy people in Mm -hmm. your life, you know?
0: And this, this is also through all these things that we're talking about, because I've had people feel very comfortable sharing with me very painful things in their life.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Assuming because I'm comfortable sharing those very painful things about myself. Without saying any names of any kind, briefly touching, you know, my first death claim in business was a mother passing away during child delivery. Um, having that call changed my life. Um, I got a call recently, even of a friend of mine um, going through a great loss um, of their own child at a young age. I the next day, I got a message of a buddy of mine going through career problems, relationship problems, and health problems all in the same week, you know, and...
1: It does always hit at the same time, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot more of this going on sometimes in a lot of people's lives, maybe in a friend of theirs that they don't even know about. Mm -hmm. And as much as I hate hearing these things, it also helps me realize the beauty of humanity, Um, and someone go, where's the beauty in that? And that very thing isn't beautiful, but it's where we come together because of it. The love that comes out of it that is what makes human beings so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at society, us coming together out of love is not great for survival always. Right. But it's what makes us different. Um, and when you hear these painful stories and these moments. It almost knocks you off your feet. It makes you sit down, even if you're not going through it. And you just feel for that person. And then you start also thinking about what actually matters in my life. What if I went through that? Right? And I also think, you know, some of the greatest lessons, of course, as we know, aren't when we're on the hill, but we're in the valley. And... I think a lot of people, this comes back to a big belief of mine, check in on your people. A lot of the time, people don't want to reach out because they don't have the strength to even show up for themselves.
1: Or they don't want to burden. They don't want to burden you. Mm -hmm.
0: And you'd be surprised just who might show up in your life in those moments, but also keep reaching out. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Anytime someone says, oh, I'm good, I double down I go, no, like actually, like good how? because I'm good is not an answer. Mm -hmm. We live in such a culture where you walk down a hall. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? The most pointless interaction. Yeah. Make eye contact. Look at each other. I see you. I'm happy you're here. How are you doing? I'm good. Okay, good. How? Tell me why you're good. Oh, your week sucks. Why does it suck? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You had a second right there to ask, is there anything I can do to make it better, brighter? Yeah. There's so many little shifts we can make in our day that would fundamentally change our ability to impact the world and ourselves that don't take much time. It just takes a little more intentional effort.
1: Yeah. And I would also say, even if you are the person who's going through something hard, Mm -hmm. don't be afraid to give your little five minute elevator pitch of what's going on in your life. Yeah. Because the few times that I've done that with someone, I think it actually literally just happened like two weeks ago. He's going to be a guest on the podcast. There was a guy at the gym who, like, we aren't like close, but like every morning we'll just say, Hey, how are you? Great. What are you working on today? You know, yep. basic gym chit chat. Yep. Nothing super deep. And then when my dad was like, what had just happened to him was like the day after, he was like, Hey, how was your holiday? And like initially I was just gonna be like, good. Cause like I didn't want to put that on him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But for some reason, I just decided to be like, Well, not so great. Yeah. And then I told him, it wasn't like I I wouldn't like overburdening, but I just basically told him what happened and if he could like pray for my dad and um now he's gonna be on my podcast and we're gonna have a deep conversation and it's gonna be yep. great. So it's like don't be afraid to let people in to your life. People care more than you know. Yep um in the doubt. you
0: human too.
1: Oh, 100%. It's like,
0: okay, you're real. You're yeah. feeling something. You're going through something. Yeah. Who hasn't?
1: And it gives people the opportunity to care about yeah. you and to be there for you and yeah. to connect on a deeper level, you know, cuz then when they're going through something, maybe they'll feel like they can talk to you about it. Yep. And that's how you create friendships.
0: Yep. I think some people are also just not used to anyone caring and actually wanting to talk about those things. Mm.
1: Um it is balanced. I will say there yeah. are some people I've experienced certain um people in my life where all we talked about was negativity. Yeah. And that's very draining. You never want to just completely dump all the negative onto your friend. You want to make sure that there's a balance of just fun, light times <laughs> and deep conversations. And so I think as individuals, we have to be cognizant of that. But it's just about balance, like everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um you know, obviously we talk about death, how it's inevitable, illness is inevitable. It's... But um something really beautiful like in the the Tao Te Ching that it says is that just as death is inevitable, the thing that is just as inevitable as death is life. Mm. And I never looked at it that way. And it, I just started thinking more and more about what does that mean? And it's like, well, we, going back to our original conversation where we said like your health, what can you do day to day to change your life? Like, yes, one day you might get sick and you might die. You may not be here. But right now, right here today, in this moment, you can be present. You are alive. So live it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Which I thought, I just love that concept.
0: I, I mean, and I very much agree with it. Um, I speak in quotes a lot sometimes, and I always say, Don't wait your whole life to have a life. Mm. Um, you know, and actually just do it, right? You know, I, what of my two goals this year are to get certified in scuba diving and skydiving, and next year learn to fly planes because I woke up and I was like, That sounds cool. Let's go do it. Yeah, you know why not? I don't know. I've always been an adrenaline junkie, but I thought There's we're too busy. Like
2: that, we're
0: too busy thinking of what I want to do one day instead of just doing it. And if you can't do it right now, then how do you start building the framework to eventually get there so you can do it? Mm-hmm. It's kind of what got me into jujitsu. I was like, oh, don't know how to do this. Show up, and now here, you know, we're a few of us are going to go to Brazil in a few months to compete, That's and awesome. I was just like, man. Well, this has been a long uh, trial class for seven years. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I thought this was just going to be for a moment in time. And here I am now going to uh, Brazil but
1: sometimes to go things fight people. Are a moment in time. Yeah. Like when I turned, I had a lot of like social anxiety when I was younger and I got tired of being so shy all the time yeah. to the point now where people don't think that I'm shy, but I still very much am. I just push past it. Um, but when I turned 20, I made a promise to myself that everything that scared me I was going to do. Within, That's awesome. Within reason, obviously.
0: <laughs> you want to go climb Everest?
1: Ah, Kilimanjaro, okay. actually. <laughs> that was my goal, Mount Kilimanjaro. I ran out of money, um, so I need to <laughs> fix my finances. But, you know, hopefully the mountain will still be there. I heard the top of it. You go, You climb through seven different, like, climate regions when you're oh, climbing wow. and you don't have to be an extreme like climber it's really much more of a trek. Yep. reading different biographies of people who went on it so i'm nerding out that's I, so
0: cool yeah
1: <laughs> um i was reading different stories about people who climbed it and they said one of the most frustrating things is how slow you have to go when you're walking up it oh because
0: the altitude change exactly you'll get dizzy but it's yeah.
1: amazing like i've just oh it's it's such a bucket oh, yeah. list of mine i want to do it so badly but it wasn't the right time But it's still there, God willing, it's going to happen, you know. Um, But where was I going with this thought, though?
0: You're going to climb it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was going
1: to say, so every time when I was scared of something, I would do it. And, like, it started off really small with like the challenges that I gave myself. But like, for example, talking about flying a plane, when I was 22, I was going to New York to, for a friend's wedding. And as we were flying in, it was like nighttime. And so it feels like you're flying into the stars because all the twinkly lights. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was just feel inspired, And I called my mom up and all kind of a sudden- New York's like, beautiful. Yeah. I love New York. Mm-hmm. Like Manhattan is my passion. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. I, I
1: like to make a yearly pilgrimage. Every oh, year, yeah. it's the vibe. Manhattan,
0: my new love for New York is Brooklyn. I've been going to Brooklyn a bunch. Mm. It's such a vibe. One of my best friends lives out there with his wife. and You don't go out there and go, well, I mean, I guess it depends on the person. Some people go, oh, it's dirty. And I'm like, the grunginess is kind of what makes New York fascinating. It's just, it's It's a chaos ball the of, the yeah, streets
1: yeah. Crazy. it's yeah, the it's, energy. There's it's the energy. energy. There's a,
0: there's a mindset. Of I can accomplish anything and there's people from all over the world give a coming in this chaos to make something of themselves, mm-hmm. you know, it's that really whole awesome. what Empire State of my Jay-Z and when they sing in New York
2: Literally, and I'm just like every head. time
0: I hear that I'm like, you know, imagine, you know, what what made me actually fall in love with UFC Mm -hmm. Was not of like, let me just see something barbaric. I thought, there's really no other sport, which is you against one other person. Mm -hmm. And this octagon of tens of thousands of people. And like, to stand there with your hands raised. And with like that song playing of knowing that like, you made dreams a reality and there's people roaring for your success and your victory. Mm -hmm. And that single moment applies to all of us in life. Yeah. Of like, you finished 75 hard or you started that podcast and then it went viral and took off or you built that, whatever it is. It's like everyone needs their New York moment Mm -hmm. in life. And, but it goes back to, you just got to go. You got to go Big or small
1: though. They could be big or small yep. ones. But to finish the story. Yeah, yeah. So I called my mom and I was like, I believe I could fly. <laughs> She's like, what are you on right now? <laughs>
0: oh, next thing you're flying a plane.
1: Well, so I, re- I was like, mom, I'm going to learn how to fly a plane. That's awesome. And she was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, you know, you just watch because there's nothing. I mean nothing I love more than when someone tells me I can't do something. It drives me – like, it's almost like if someone tells me I can do something, it makes me nervous as hell because I'm like, oh, expectations. But if, like, no one's rooting for me, uh, that's the best. Uh, it's a little messed up. Uh, it's okay. Anyways, so when I got back to St. Louis, I called Lambert and I asked them if they had any flying lessons because I remembered the episode from Bill Cosby and the Cosby Show where Theo rented a helicopter and he got free. <laughs> Yes. So I was like, I bet you they do that. And anyways, they're like, ma'am, we don't do that. This is like commercial flights called the Chesterfield Airport. Yeah. So I did. And I called the guy up and it wasn't free. It was $150. But on my 22nd birthday, for $150, I got to fly and he let me do like most of the stuff, which is crazy because it was like a trial thing. But he was just like, go for it. I mean, he was there doing like the second controls, but I flew from Chesterfield to the Arch. And back, no way. Mm-hmm.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, and so it's like, am I a pilot? I'm not a pilot. I mm-hmm. did not take any pilot lessons after that. But it was just an experience that I wanted to experience. Yeah. And I, if you think it, do it.
0: Mm-hmm. So I yeah, did. I mean that's, and it's so funny too to see how we shift in life because I still look at that kid I used to be, mm-hmm. and I did not have the confidence, the ability to talk, the I'm going to go accomplish anything. I think just the best thing about being stuck in a very heavy state for so long. And I feel so much. I wish I could talk to more people who feel in that state still, Mm -hmm. which is probably why I articulate about the things that I do. But once you start inching your way out of it and you realize you're like, holy shit, the only thing that was ever holding me back was me. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It was just me. It wasn't all these opinions out there. The amount of times, oh, you're this, you're this, you're that. You're not good enough. You're inadequate. Why were you even born? Oh, you're not strong enough. You're not going to be picked first. You're 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 none of these things. And so then you start identifying with it because it's told to you, and, but it wasn't them who made you do that habit. It was you. Mm-hmm. It, you chose that habit to fall in line with what they said instead of just put your earmuffs on, block out the noise, and just go do whatever the hell you want. Go for it. You got nothing to lose, especially if you're young. Yeah. If you're young, go learn. Make mistakes. Fail. Learn. If you're not learning, you're not growing, mm-hmm. and you don't learn when you win. You learn when you lose. You learn when you make mistakes. If you're if you're not learning, that means you're you're accomplishing it, and then all of a sudden a road bump hits. You failed. Oh shit! How did I fail? What what happened? Hell yeah! Okay, what did I do wrong? Improve, improve, and keep going. Like the the the, the method for success in life is often so simple. We just have to apply it.
1: Small daily consistent action.
0: Exactly. Makes a
1: bigger difference. And also try not to get in your thoughts too much. I posted Mm -hmm. a quote on my podcast story recently on Instagram where I was like, any bad thoughts you have after yourself after 9 p.m., don't listen to them. Oh, yeah.
0: I talked to my therapist about that because I was so fascinated why my brain struggled so much more at a certain time of night to create those walls of Mental self-talk, mm-hmm. and it, it and she explained it so well to me because I have to as as emotional and psycho psychology based as I am, I still look at things very technically when it comes to systems. And I thought, why is my brain like it's very glaring. Like it's not like I wake up in the morning, my mojo's back. Let's go take on the world, mm-hmm. but at night. And and I know it's not just me. The amount of the people you lay in bed at night, you look at the ceiling, and you think to yourself, What the fuck am I doing with my life right now? And then you wake up the next day and you're like, All right, we're good, we're good.
2: Mm-hmm. What is
0: going on? And we have to realize just like we train our muscles, we also have to understand that we worked our brain all day. And as it gets weaker, different things are firing at different levels. Mm. And that self-regulator has become weaker. Because it needs rest, it needs sleep. Yeah, get to sleep. Stop thinking. Go to bed. Tune out. Drink your sleepy tea. Listen to a motivating podcast that puts you to sleep. Whatever it is, and wake up and deal with it. Then
1: you guys should drink turmeric lattes. Turmeric. Yeah,
0: I used to was it? I used to say turmeric, and I was like, it's tumeric. turmeric. Turmeric. I, so many words I pronounce. I got made fun of so much as I got like from my younger years and how it articulates mm. certain words. And I didn't realize – and no one like. Thank God, I used to be mad at the mom, but now I'm like, thank God someone pointed out because I had no idea what I was saying wrong.
1: That's so funny. Yeah. It's okay. I had a
0: speech impediment for the letter R.
1: Mm. Wait. So, like, how did that play out?
0: Well, I couldn't say my name well.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was
0: like Conor. I That's couldn't say so Connor. Funny, like even today, if I talk fast, there's moments where it takes me more effort to pronounce the letter R than mm-hmm. any other letter. Okay. Uh, It's no fun when I have to say my name. So I'll even like saying Silverstein takes me more effort than any other word. Counter Silverstein.
1: I, (laughs) based on our earlier conversation, you know, spending different times with both of your different dads, but also just relationships in general. This is just like a fun, what do you think conversation, Mm -hmm. which is what do you think is more important with relationships, any relationships, quality or quantity?
0: Oh, quality. Um, uh, because the closest relationships in my life are actually, for the most part, the relationships I see the least. Hmm. Most of the people I love the most happen to be the most busy people in my life. I don't get to see them as much. And so I, you know, even in the last year or two, there's a lot more people who kind of fit the role who I love, but a bit more of acquaintance in my life, or maybe there for that season than like this is my lifelong friend, whether it's because they don't live locally or they're building businesses or married or have kids, whatever it might be. And then I finally get some time with them again. And the richness in that experience impacts me in a way that some people have spent so much time with compared to that individual does not hit the same. Hmm. And it's just even from that feeling of Quality. Now, quality with more quantity is even better, right? right. But if either had to choose one or the other, quality all the time. Because you don't judge a relationship on how much time you spend with them. You judge it on impact.
1: I think this is an Alex Herm- hermosi quote. Okay. Where it's like, he was actually just talking about content. It wasn't relationships. But he said, the best is quality quantity. But if you can't have quality quantity, then work on quality. But you need quantity to work on quality.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, you need more time with them right. to develop that. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And then I remember there was a – I don't know. I can't give credit because I don't remember who this was. It was some dating coach who I saw. or Maybe it was some Indian guru. I don't know. But he was saying about like relationships, like the secret – Oh, no. It was like this Russian, Russian mobster that I saw. For, I don't know.
0: That's great. <laughs> That's- From Indian guy to Russian mobster. <laughs>
1: right. So
0: slightly different.
1: I spend a lot of time watching these things. Um, he was saying about how – If you want like a healthy relationship, like romantic relationship, he's like, don't spend too much time together, which I thought was funny, but I guess it's actually kind of true Mm because a little mystery, especially Mm -hmm. if you're like, you know, sharing your life, living with someone, it's good to like. We need that independence.
0: There's that balance. Depending on what stage you're in, of is enough time? Is it too little time? Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to just asking questions of. Well, what does showing up look like in your life? Like, what? what is – like, just asking, what do you need? What do you want? People mm-hmm. are afraid to ask that a lot, though, but I think it would change so much in being honest with your intentions. But everyone needs something different, mm-hmm. you know? But regardless, you can't create new memories as well if you're, you're the same person always together compared to letting each other be your own person still, but in that relationship together.
1: Right. Well, if you're really with someone for a lifetime, you fall in love with seven different people. As because they evolve, people are evolving, and if you're a man in a relationship with a woman, she has four different people every month. So, <laughs> this is very true.
0: This is very true.
1: Um, but to wrap up, because this was such a powerful episode, I have this tradition with all my guests, okay. where the whole basis of this podcast was built off of this Hebrew quote, which is Hello made me call Adam," which means "One who is wise is one who learns from everyone." And we have learned so much from you. But if you can leave us with one last, either quotable quote or life lesson that has impacted you that you want to share.
0: So, a quote that I heard recently that just hit home for me mm-hmm. was Make dreams, don't kill them. Ooh. And I thought, why does that impact me so much? And I thought, in a world where we thrive off of negativity, and the, the next tabloid about pain and all these things. And then you see someone out here who's a dreamer and you say get realistic or mm. look at them being a dreamer. And, and when we were kids, we were inspired and now we're getting leveled, right? We need dreamers. We need to get back to living in a world where we got inspired by each other and we encouraged each other in that creativity.
2: Mm.
0: Yes, be realistic, but don't think that you're not capable of making it a reality. And so if you see someone in your life dreaming big, encourage them. Help them how do we take that dream and build it in a realistic framework to make that dream a reality.
1: Yes. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. So what can the viewers, the listeners do to support you?
0: Um I honestly think to support me, mm-hmm. check on your friends more. Just reach out to people you care about. Yeah. Um, You know, for people who do follow me on social media, I think that they will see a lot of the things I talk about is being present and promoting their people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something I'm so passionate about. I said not too long ago that we're always so quick to promote these big people who've already been crushing life because you love what they're saying. Well, internalize and think about how do you articulate that from your own view? Share that with the world. And if you see someone doing that in your own life, promote that. Yeah. Let's help each other. Let's pour into each other. Not because of what we get out of it, but because it's the right thing to do.
1: You should know that I saw that story. I took it as constructive criticism because I do share a lot of powerful like little reels mm-hmm. and stuff that I find from other yeah. motivational speakers. And I this is... A uh, way that I'm going to be becoming more personal on, like Instagram, so you should follow you from the Lou on Instagram.
2: Yeah, is
1: I'm gonna start doing that where like I discuss more mm-hmm. on my stories, and it's gonna be more of like a personal touch that people won't necessarily get just from the
2: podcast.
1: Yep. Full, full over exposure. But anyways, this was great. Thank you so much. A blast. You were a pleasure to speak with and to Thank host you. on my podcast. You guys, you know the drill. Leave a five star review. Share with a friend if this was meaningful for you. And you can watch this if you're not already watching this on Spotify or YouTube. And follow me wherever you can find podcasts. I hope you guys have a great week. Let's get it. Let's go.
2: Snaps.